Would you go ahead and just join me in celebrating what we have been able to experience together today as we've lifted our voices to the Lord? What an incredible, incredible gift. And I don't know about y'all, but I just think we need to celebrate Mike Ladler next week too. Let's just bring the band back together. Because this has been an incredible, incredible day. And I, I do want to say, we, we're going to continue to celebrate Michael throughout this morning. We've got a reception coming at the end of this service that we'd love for all of you to be a part of. Just to express your gratitude and your thanks to Michael and Linda and their family for all that they mean to us as a church. And for all of their years of faithfulness, pointing to the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. And I, I just need to say this right up front. It's really been fun to be able to celebrate Michael over these last few weeks and really this week specifically because over and over again, as we've talked about what this celebration would be like, Michael has just continued to say, let's make sure we're pointing to Jesus. Let's make sure this is all about Jesus. And that's what his life has shown us over and over again. So it is a privilege, it is a privilege to celebrate the faithfulness of one who continually, time and time again, has pointed us all to Jesus and to the gift that we have through the finished work of Christ. It's, it's now my privilege to, to be able to open the word of God, and, and I want to encourage you to open the word of God with me as we, as we transition from lifting our voices to now receiving from the Lord what he lays before us in his word. And we're going to be in John chapter 6 this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to John 6 in the New Testament. If you're here today without a Bible, we got you covered. There's Bibles all over the room. We would encourage you to grab one of those so that you can see for yourself what the Word of God is saying as we walk through this time together. And if you're joining us online, we're so grateful that you're joining us for this service. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing among his people here at Shades. The, the, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today in John 6 points us to a statement of Jesus about himself. In fact, this is the, the first of seven statements that we have recorded in the book of John of Jesus talking about himself and saying, this is who I am. These seven statements are often called the I am statements of Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at the first one today in John 6. We're going to be looking at the other six over the next six weeks here at Shades. We're going to just, just spend some time trying to understand with a little greater clarity who Jesus is and what he has done and what he says about himself so that we can understand with hopefully a greater fullness of clarity the good news of why we make so much of Jesus and why Jesus is what we need. And so in John 6, we, we see this first statement as Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
I'm gonna ask you if you would stand with me as I read this scripture, if you're willing and able. We, we stand for the reading of God's word so that we can be reminded when we gather together as a church, the people of God stand on the foundation of God's word. This, this, this is the firm foundation under our feet, the, the immovable, unchanging, inerrant word of God. And it's the word of God laid before us through, through the spirit of God that we see what God says is right and good and true. So we turn to the word of God to hear what we need to hear through the divine inspiration of the spirit of God. This is what the scripture says in John chapter six, beginning in verse 28. It says, then they said to him, a big crowd is gathered around Jesus. What must we do to be doing the works of God? A very big question, a very important question. How can I know if I've done enough to be right with God? And listen to how Jesus responds. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe in you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me before we are seated? Let's pray. Father, we Thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate the faithfulness of a man of God that has served you in such a beautiful way for so many years and continues to serve you in such a beautiful way. Lord, we know as we're celebrating the faithfulness of your followers, we are celebrating your great faithfulness toward us. And so we turn now our attention to the faithfulness of our God who makes provision for his people. And Lord, we pray that your word would provide for us what we need to hear. You know our hearts. You know our stories. You know what we're walking through. You know the weight that we carry. You know the challenges we face. You know the, the sin and temptation we struggle with. Lord, I am praying in the power of your spirit that you would meet us now through your word and open our eyes to what you know we need to see. So Father, we look to you. We pray that you would have your way among us for your glory, for our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. 
I realized that a statement about bread might be a little lost on us today in our culture. We often get our bread from a bag, right? Not only that, we have this whole movement in our culture that is telling us bread is bad. Too many carbs, right? Too much gluten. Gluten will rot your gut, kill you from the inside out. We have a, a child in our family who is severely gluten intolerant, so we have a lot of gluten-free products, gluten-free bread in our house. Can I just say, I just need to say this before someone right now. It tastes horrible. Have you ever had a gluten-free pizza? It's like licking the ground. It is absolutely disgusting. But bread, fresh baked bread, bread is good. You know the smell of fresh baked, baked bread in a, in a nice restaurant or someone that makes some bread at home, that smell, it's, it's captivating. Makes your mouth water. It tastes so good. Fresh bread, man. And certainly at the time that Jesus was sharing this message with a large crowd who had gathered around him to hear what he had to say, there, there was a very different appreciation for bread. For, for bread really was daily daily nourishment for the body and bread could only be prepared and then kept for a very short amount of time and so so to have fresh bread that was a necessity of life but but it was also a a, a struggle to have fresh bread it took work it took intentionality it took preparation there were all kinds of things that had to be done to, to, to make the dough and to prepare with the yeast and all the things that had to come together to, to then be put in, in, the, in the fire so that the bread would rise and the bread would provide the nourishment that was needed. And so when the people begin to hear Jesus talk about bread, they, they have an understanding of what he's saying. And when he, when he begins to talk about how, how there is a bread that can, that can nourish once and for all, there is a, a bread that can provide fulfillment, there, there is a bread that, that will provide sustenance in a way that, that, that this daily process of baking bread can't even touch, their ears perk up. Oh, how great it would be to have bread without having to go through the whole process of baking bread every single day. How great it would be to have bread that, that, that satisfies hunger once and for all. The people say, we want this bread. This, this story is given to us in John 6, right near the beginning of Jesus' public ministry on earth. We, we can see, if you look back several pages, the, the last couple of chapters of John have laid before all of us the, the first miracles of Jesus in his public ministry. And as more and more miracles are happening, the crowd is beginning to swell. More and more people are gathering around Jesus. And in John 6 specifically, we see one of these amazing miracles of the provision of God through the divine power of Jesus on display. 
This crowd has gathered. This crowd has been following Jesus. This crowd has been listening to Jesus teach all day long. And at the end of the day, the crowd is hungry. And Jesus realizes you're not good when you're hungry. And so he says to his disciples, we need to do something about the hunger of this crowd. You need to feed this crowd. Go find some food. And the disciples, they begin to search, but everybody showed up without their lunchbox on this specific day, and there's not much to be found. And so the disciples come back and they say, well, we found a little bit, but it's certainly not enough for the over 5,000 people who've gathered here. You can read this in the beginning of John 6. They say, hey, we've just got several loaves of bread and and a few fish from, from a young man. That's all we could find. And Jesus says, that's okay. That's all we need. And the great miracle of the loaves and fishes, as Jesus takes this small little provision and multiplies it to to be more than enough for the crowd of over 5,000 people who have gathered. In fact, there were baskets and baskets of leftovers. There was so much to go around. Everyone ate till they were full. Everyone ate till their hunger had been satisfied and there was more to go around. And then then that, that evening, Jesus sent the disciples away from the crowd. He sent them across the sea where they had gathered with the crowd. He's sending them to a place where they could be alone and in the midst of them traveling on a boat on the sea through the night a storm comes up Uh, you may have heard about this miracle as well that is this beautiful encounter uh, of the disciples with the one who controls all of creation as Jesus comes walking across the water in the midst of the storm Showing his authority to provide what is needed. Showing his authority over all of creation. And now we've come to the following day. These two amazing miracles have just taken place in John 6. And and the crowd has found Jesus and his disciples again. And the meal that they had yesterday was really, really good. And it was really, really free. And so they think, hey. Let's go get another one of those free meals. A free meal is a great thing. And so the crowd comes to Jesus again. And look at what the scripture says. John chapter 6 verse 26. Jesus answered them. Truly, truly, I say to you. You are seeking me not because you saw signs. But because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Jesus is saying, look, I I know, I know that many of you have gathered because of the show. And many of you have gathered again because of a free meal. But I now want to take that physical hunger that everyone is familiar with and I want to teach you something about why I came that's going to speak to a need that is so much greater and so much deeper than a physical hunger. Jesus begins to turn the conversation. 
He takes what's right in front of him with this crowd of people, and he says, let me, let me take you to a deeper spiritual significance. Let me take you from your physical longing to a spiritual longing that everyone has, and let me tell you that I have come to satisfy the deepest spiritual longing of your soul. I've come to provide a fulfillment that nothing physical in this life can ever come close to providing. I've come to bring true fulfillment for your soul. So verse 28, the people said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus, what do we need to do to make sure that we've done enough to receive the provision that you're talking about. Jesus, what do we need to do to make sure the boxes in our life have been checked, the to-do list of, of works has been accomplished so that we can know we are right with God and we will receive this provision, this fulfillment that you are talking about? Because the people understood how the world works. The people understood that if you're going to receive something, you've got to work for it. You've got to somehow earn it. Now, long before I was a preacher as a college student, I was a business major at the University of South Carolina. I was a, a marketing and management major for my college degree. And, and I'll never forget my freshman year being in a, a, in a business class, one of our introductory classes, and the professor got up on the board back when people still used to write things with their hand on a board before it was all digital. And he wrote on the whiteboard this really strange combination of letters. And he just let it sit there for, for a moment without saying anything. He wrote Tans Taffel. We're all like, what is this? This guy's crazy. Like, professors are weird. What's going on? Tans Taffel. We didn't know what it meant. But this was a principle that he was teaching that's been taught all throughout business classes and business schools. Tans Taffel. What does it mean? There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. There's always fine print. If something appears to be too good to be true, guess what? It is. If something is told to you that it is free, it costs somebody something. There are strings attached. That's the way business works. That's the way the world goes around. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. And the people listening to Jesus they must have understood Tanstaffel. Because they say, Jesus, I mean, this sounds good, what you're, what you're talking about. And the meal yesterday was really, really good. But, but we know there's got to be something that we must do to really deserve this. There's got to be something that we must do to earn this or be worthy of this or achieve this. What are the works that we must do to be right with God? Some of you here today, you, you really understand this. In fact, some of you are here today because this is the, the, the foundational belief that is driving your life. I've got to do enough so that God will be happy with me. I've got to show up at church enough so that God will be good with me and I'll be good to go with God. 
Some of you are trying really, really hard to do a lot of stuff so that hopefully there, there might some way, somehow, be more good in your life than bad, so that hopefully at the end of the day, God's gonna grade on a curve, and it's gonna be a very generous curve, and you're somehow gonna get in across the line. What must I be doing to do the works of God to know at the end of the day, I'm good to go with God? And Jesus responds and says, hey, I've actually come to show you there is a very different way altogether. Because the problem with a works-based mentality that I somehow have to earn my way to God is that at some point, if we're honest, we look around and we ask the question, how will I ever know if I've done enough? Is it just to do more than my neighbor? Is it just to do more than that bad guy across the community over there? How do I know if I've done enough? And so instead of telling the people about the works they must do to be right with God, Jesus flips the conversation altogether and says, I want to tell you about the work of God. I want to tell you what God has done for you. I want to tell you the good news of why I have come. Because Jesus did not come so that you and I would then have to earn our way to God. Jesus came because you and I could never earn our way to God. Because we cannot work our way to him in the work of God, Christ has come to us. He has come to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so Jesus responds, John chapter 6, 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who was sent, that you believe in him who was sent, that you believe that there is a longing for your soul to be satisfied in something or in someone, and Jesus is the only one who will truly satisfy your soul. This is not about you working to earn it. This is not about you finding the right thing to magically fulfill your life. This is about Jesus doing for you what you could never do for yourself. Jesus is the nourishment that our soul longs for, but the people, they still don't get it. And so in John chapter six, verse 30, they said to him, well, then what sign do you do? If this is not about our work, Jesus, what, what sign do you do that we may believe in you? And then they, they, they give him a history lesson. They say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's as if the people are saying, Jesus, hey, thanks for the free meal yesterday. That was really, really great. But, but let me just tell you, there was a time in our history that we were given a free meal every day. There was a time when, when the people of God were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years after they had been released from bondage and slavery in Egypt, and, and, and God provided bread from heaven every single day. It was called manna. You can read about this in Exodus 
chapter 16. There was just enough for each day. And if the people tried to collect more for tomorrow or tried to hoard the bread of today for a day to come, that bread would disintegrate, that bread would rot, that bread would go away because God was teaching the people that he was going to be their provision and he was what they need every single day. So the people say, hey, Jesus, thanks for one meal. But if you're really from God, can't you do more? I mean, Jesus, what you did was, was definitely unique and impressive. But if you're really from God, I, I really, I've got this list of things that I'd like you to do. I, I need to see some more signs from you so that, that then I will be able to believe and trust in you. And this is the way many people actually come to Jesus even today. That they say, oh, Jesus, I, I, I will follow you if. If you give me what I want, if you do what I ask you to do, then I'll believe. And in that posture of coming to Jesus like he's a genie in a bottle, and saying the only way I'll trust you or the only way I'll follow you is if you give me the things I want, we actually are putting ourselves in the place of God. And we're saying I'll only trust in you if you do what I say. The people have it all confused. They're looking for more signs. They're looking for more miraculous works and they want to see the show. But Jesus is saying, look, don't miss the point of this. And he goes back to their history lesson and he said to them, verse 32, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is saying, don't miss the point. The lesson in the wilderness of teaching God's people to look to him for each and every day's provision and each and every day's rest, that is a lesson that was intended to point to the true bread of heaven that is right in front of you right now. Don't miss this, Jesus says. For what I have come to offer is so much more than a meal. I know you are aware of your physical hunger. I want to point you to a much deeper hunger that nothing in this world can satisfy. And that is why I've come. I have come to satisfy the longing of your soul. I have come to fill your life in a way that nothing else can come close to filling. Jesus turns this to our greatest need. As he reminds the people and shares with the people that he is the bread of life. Before we look back at John 6, I want to turn your attention very quickly to the middle of the Old Testament, Lamentations chapter 3. You can flip there or we'll have this on the screen for you to see. Lamentations chapter 3, verse, verse 19 and following says this, remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. 
My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. What, what is the writer of Lamentations saying? The writer of Lamentations is, I need to be aware every day of the need in my life. And he's talking specifically about the spiritual need of his life that is there because of sin. I remember the wormwood and the gall. It is bitter. It's painful when I am aware of my own personal spiritual need. But I need to be aware of this. Why? So that then I can grow in heightened awareness to the provision of God. But I call this to mind. We see in Lamentations 3, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love what the scripture does here. Because the scripture says in our need, there is provision from God. There is the provision of God for our need. His, his love is unending. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His, his mercies go on forever. They never come to an end. There's these broad sweeping statements of the love of God and the mercy of God. But then I love it. The word of God says, and don't forget the daily gift of the mercy of God. Because sometimes we say, yes, God is love, and his love endures forever. And sometimes we say, yes, his mercies never end. But then something happens on this day that causes us to question the love of God. And some sin rears its ugly head in our life on this day that causes us to wonder, can I really be right with God? Can I really be one who is underneath the banner of the love and the mercy of God? And the scripture says, his mercies are new every morning. His mercy, his provision, just like the manna in the wilderness, is given to you for each Day. This is the gift pointing us to the good news of what Jesus Christ has come to do. He gives his life, the bread of life. He gives his life as a sacrifice for our sin at the cross. He rises from the grave, defeating sin and death, calling us to new life, calling us to new mercy, calling us to the provision from heaven that he alone can provide. This is what it means to receive the bread of life. The people back in John 6, they hear what Jesus is talking about, this fulfillment, this filling, this, this nourishment for the soul. And they say, we, we want it. Verse 34, they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So let me ask you, are you hungry? You may say, yeah, I'm ready for lunch. That physical hunger, it's revealing, it's revealing there's actually a deeper hunger that we need to be aware of. Are, are you spiritually hungry? 
Have you been spiritually filled? Has the deepest need of your life been been met? Have the deepest longing of your soul been satisfied? What does it mean to receive the bread of life? Think about the posture of someone who realizes they cannot provide a meal for themselves. Someone who realizes they don't have the the provision or even the ability to to provide a, a cup of cold water that they need for their daily sustenance. What do they do? They have to hold out their hands, hoping that there is one who will provide some food, hoping there is one who will provide a cup of cold water. We might call that the posture of a beggar or the posture of the poor to which Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit who realize they have a need that they can never meet, who realize they can do nothing about the deepest longing of their soul, who realize because of the sin in their life, because they they have actually gone against the, the will of God in their life, there is nothing they can do to fix that problem. So they open their hands and they say, poor in spirit, I have a need, a need that I cannot meet. So please, please, provide the provision that my soul desperately longs for. That's what it means to receive the bread of life, to be aware of your need and to go to the one, Jesus Christ, who could actually ultimately, finally fulfill that need. The provision of God through the finished work of Jesus. I'm gonna close with a quote from Charles Spurgeon that I really love as it relates to this text This is from years and years and years ago as he preached in London, England at the tabernacle. He says, the the text says that that come, excuse me, the text says, he that comes to me. It says nothing of preparation before coming, nor of any meritorious actions. It is a simple coming, a beggar for arms or, or a child for its father's help. There is nothing there of merit. In fact, Faith stands in direct opposition to meritorious working. It's all a matter of receiving, not of bringing to Christ. We come to him empty-handed. We believe in him without any deserving of our own. And in that way, and that way only, Jesus Christ becomes our Savior. Have you opened your hands? Have you received the bread of life? Is there a longing, a longing in your soul that is yet to be satisfied? Is there a yearning in your heart that has yet to be filled? Come with open hands and receive the bread of life that offers to do for you what you and I could never do for ourselves. This is the gift of Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, it is a joy and it is a gift on a day of celebration to be reminded of the provision that has been made through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray for, for anyone right now who, who is, if they are honest, wrestling with a longing that has yet to be satisfied. Wrestling with a desire of the soul that has yet to be filled. Realizing that there is a very real need that is yet to be met in their lives. Oh, Father, I pray, I pray that their eyes would be open to the beautiful gift of Jesus Christ, the finished work of his death on the cross and the power of his resurrection that calls us to new life and invites us to, to taste and receive the provision that our soul longs for. 